Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would indeed speak to us this morning, and that you would encourage us to continue to walk in your truth for the glory of Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. There comes a time in a parent's life which brings a whole mix of emotions. It's the moment when their child has grown up and they're moving out, setting out on their own adventure. Uh, It might happen when they move away to university or maybe when they've got married or they finally just decided that they want their own space. Uh, Perhaps you've been through this, uh, either as a parent or even as the child. Or maybe you know that this day is coming closer. And you're wondering how you will cope. How do you feel in that moment as the door closes and they're gone? There's a a pick and mix range of feelings, isn't there? There's joy that they've finally moved out. There's sadness that they're no longer your little baby, boy or girl. There's worry maybe about how they'll manage. The first time I was away from home was when I went on our P7 school trip to York. For weeks beforehand, I was very nervous about being away from home, uh, very nervous about homesickness and anxious about travel sickness as well. I had mum and dad very, very worried. But then when I was away, I was having that much fun that I forgot to ring home (laughs) to tell them that everything was okay. Mums and dads naturally have these kinds of concerns for their children. And those who are in leadership in the church have the same concerns for their spiritual children. Will they keep going in the way that they've learned? Will they continue to walk with Jesus even if we don't see them, if we're not around? That concern is the driving force of the letter that we're looking at today. Perhaps you'd open it up, page 1230. When you turn there, you'll see that it's a very short book, a short letter. It fits in about half a page. And at the top of the page, verse 1, we see who the letter is from and who it's to. First one, the elder to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. The elder, uh, that's John, uh, the author of the gospel and the other two letters of John, and also Revelation. And that word elder there, it can mean a church elder, so the Greek word would be presbyter, uh, so that's where you get Presbyterian from. Um, But it also just simply means an older person. And John is writing to Gaius, to someone he knows and loves and cares for. Gaius is one of his spiritual children, Someone John has told the gospel to, has nurtured in the faith, has discipled. 
But do you see how he puts it? He says, to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Gaius is his dear friend. He cares for him. And we'll see that that same phrase, dear friend, do you see it there? At verse 2 and verse 5 and verse 11, it provides the structure for the whole book. It's repeated at key points throughout the letter. John also says that he loves him in the truth. He's a friend in the gospel that they have been brought together because they both belong to Jesus. Have you ever noticed that about the church, about the Christian faith? That actually we're not just friends with the people that we're like. That actually Jesus brings us together. People we maybe normally wouldn't spend time with. But we love one another in the truth. This is a personal letter from John to Gaius, but it's not a private letter. It's a letter for us to hear and to read over Gaius' shoulder. Because it teaches us about what it looks like to live as a Christian. The phrase that John uses to describe the Christian life is to be walking in the truth. In verses 2 to 4, we see why John is writing this letter. And he begins with a prayer for his dear friend. He says, Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. John knows that Gaius' soul is getting along well. It is well with his soul. And he prays that the rest of him will be just as well, that he will enjoy physical health as well as spiritual health. But that raises the question, doesn't it? How does John know that it is well with Gaius' soul? Well, that's what we see in the next verse, in verse 3. And it's why John writes this letter. He says, it, gives, it gave me great joy... To have some brothers come and tell about your faithfulness to the truth and how you continue to walk in the truth. John has heard about Gaius from some of the brothers, from other Christians, from traveling Christians. They have told him about how Gaius is faithful to the truth, to the good news that John had taught him in the gospel. And how Gaius continues to walk in the truth. John is delighted to hear the news. It gave him great joy. You see, in those days you couldn't just ring up someone for a chat to see how they were doing. Or you couldn't log into Facebook to see what they've been up to. Or you couldn't Skype them. And so, since John and Gaius have been separated, they're far from each other, John hasn't heard about how Gaius is getting on. It took these brothers to come to tell him, to give him the joy of hearing that Gaius is still walking in the truth. So, while I was in York, having a great time, and my parents were at home worried, well, actually, it turns out that they weren't really very worried at all because other parents were keeping them informed. They had heard from their children, just not me. 
Um, and so they knew, actually, that everything was okay. John is the spiritual elder of Gaius, his spiritual father, if you like. And so John is concerned for Gaius, how he will get on with the faith he was taught. And all of us can be spiritual parents of others, concerned for them, praying for them, helping them. It's a sign that that I'm starting to get old uh, because my first spiritual children in this sense were the the children and young people in my Sunday school class uh, and the youth fellowship and Dremore. And now it turns out that they're dentists and they're getting married and they're doing all sorts of things. And I'm thinking they should only be about 12 by now, surely. But I hear about them and, and hear about them going on with the Lord as well, some of them. And what a great joy it is to hear and to know. That's what John says in verse 4. John is delighted to hear how Gaius is getting on. And then he says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. So who will rejoice when they hear about you? continuing to walk in the truth. Who are your spiritual parents, the people who care for you? And who will you rejoice over when you hear that they are walking in the truth? Who are your spiritual children and the people that you care for? At the start of verse 5, we see another example of that dear friend. And in this section, we see exactly what it was that Gaius was doing that showed that he was walking in the truth. And what was it? That Gaius was showing love and hospitality to the brothers, to fellow Christians. John writes, Dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. You will do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God. These particular brothers are gospel workers. They are Christians who are traveling around sharing the good news of Jesus. And even though Gaius doesn't know them, he welcomes them in and he loves them. In practical ways. He has put them up. He has fed them. He has cared for them. He has welcomed them. And these men have gone out. Verse 7. For the sake of the name. They have gone out in order to preach the name of Jesus. To give him honour. And because they're Christian missionaries. The pagans aren't going to help them. Or support them. So it's up to Christians to support Christian ministry and mission. And John shows that when we do that, when we support missionaries and and ministry in practical ways, we are sharing in their work. Verse 8. We ought, therefore, to show hospitality to such men so that we may work together for the truth. To walk 
in the truth is to be seen in our love, our hospitality, our support, so that we work together for the truth. We may not be able to go on mission, but we can give to mission. So what are the signs that it is well with your soul, that you're walking in the truth and working for the truth? The last dear friend comes a bit further down in verse 11. It sits there in between the descriptions of two men who are known to Gaius. It marks the divide between them and highlights the differences in the two men. Verse 11, dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. As Gaius continues to walk in the truth, he is given two possible alternatives, two possible role models. But he's not to imitate the evil. He should only imitate the good. Diotrephes. How many of you took a a sigh of relief that you weren't asked to do the reading this morning with Diotrephes? He's the negative example. John is saying, don't be like Diotrephes. Why? Because he loves to be first. He loves to assert himself, to be seen, to be considered most important. He has rejected John's authority. He has rejected the letter that John sent to the church. He wants nothing to do with John, the apostle and elder. But John is going to come along someday and he'll deal with the problems. He'll call attention to the way in which Diotrephes gossips maliciously. So he's not walking in the truth. He's spreading lies and gossip. And also in the way that Diotrephes refuses to welcome the brothers, what Gaius had been doing, and even stops the people who do want to welcome them, and even puts them out of the church. Do you see how he's the opposite of what John has said about walking in the truth and showing love and hospitality in the gospel. So don't be like Diotrephes, but do be like Demetrius. He is well spoken of by everyone and even by the truth itself. We also speak well of him and you know that our testimony is true. John has been delighted to hear that Gaius is walking in the truth, but he's concerned for his dear friend. You see, the danger is that he will stop walking in the truth, that he will follow the wrong role model, that he'll be like uh, Diotrephes. John wants Gaius to continue walking in the truth by showing love and hospitality by sharing and working for the truth and by imitating what is good. And that's what we're called to do as well. But notice that we don't have to do it on our own. We have 
one another for help and support and encouragement as we keep going together, as we walk in the truth together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that we would indeed hear your word this morning, that you would encourage us if we're feeling weak, that you would stir us up to follow this example of Gaius. Father, we pray that we would know your grace to continue to walk in your truth and to work for the truth. Father, we ask that you would bless us today. In Jesus' name, amen.